Entrepreneur on Fire 458. John Lee Dumas is here with your daily dose of inspiring entrepreneurs. Welcome to Entrepreneur on Fire and prepare to ignite. Selection, speed, and creativity are just a few of the benefits of having several designers work on your design project instead of just one. Start your next graphic design project at 99designs.com slash fire and get a $99 power pack of services for free. Create mobile apps for your client's business or create a mobile app of your own. Business apps makes it easy with no programming knowledge needed. Visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com today. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Oren Kloff. Oren, are you prepared to ignite? That's a good question, and the answer is yes, let's light it up. (laughs) Most of Oren's experience has been in raising money, but he can pitch any kind of deal. Right now, he's pitching an airport, a $150 million semiconductor company, and a $200 million genetic information company. He pitched 35 of these kind of deals to date with some success. I've given our listeners just a little overview, Oren, so take a minute. Tell us about you personally, because we want to get to know you, then give us an overview of your business. I guess the number one thing to know about me is I am an investment banker in the same way that you would uh, think about somebody from JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs, uh, Bank of America. I help companies raise money or sell themselves. That's what I do. The path to being an investment banker is long and complicated and storied. And so I think that's probably what we can talk about today, but it's the most exciting thing you can do, right? Help a company get the money it needs to grow or help entrepreneurs who have grown a company uh, realize their dream by selling that company and bringing in tens or hundreds of millions of dollars of you know, personal net worth. So Warren, give us a little personal glimpse into your life. So I'm probably not that dissimilar from you. I love the lifestyle. I love travel, love flying around in a jet. We live in Southern California by the beach, race motorcycles, very you know, lifestyle oriented. We don't want to have 150, 200 person investment bank that requires 80 hours a week under fluorescent lights with a parking pass <laughs> and dealing with HR and two weeks of vacation. I love the small group. Uh, anybody can fit in our organization because we teach the skills. It's the cultural fit. That's always the question. Southern California, we like to surf, ride motorcycles, work hard, work in finance, sort of living the dream. That's maybe why, you know, you and I connected, but that's where our value system is. Wonderful. Yeah. We also live here in Southern California. Don't race motorcycles, but I do like to run really fast. So I guess that's kind of similarities, but that's exactly the kind of lifestyle that so many entrepreneurs these days are after. That lifestyle that allows you not to have to be stuck in an office under fluorescent lights, but taking control, flying around the world, doing deals that really interest and inspire you. So Orn, what we're going to do is dive into your journey as an entrepreneur, but before that, We always start Entrepreneur on Fire off with a success quote to really get that motivational ball rolling. So take it away. Sure. I mean, this would be a mine. People want what they can't have. They chase that which moves away from them, and they only value that which they pay for. 
So really break down the mantra of that, Orn. What do you mean by that when it applies to an entrepreneur's life? So my book is Pitch Anything. It's probably how we connected, right? And Pitch Anything is about uh, getting control over the process of walking in a room, talking to buyers or investors, showing them what you have, and asking them to give you money, right? And that is sort of a process we all have to go through, whether it's you sort of, get, you know, John getting a big interview, whether it's me getting a $100 million investment from a private equity group into one of my companies, or if it's an entrepreneur, just getting a bank loan or an investor. You got to walk in a room, you got to talk to some guys, you got to convince them of something. In the convincing process, there are many things that can go wrong. We have no way enough time to talk about them today. In the book, I sort of spell them out very clearly. But how the mantra I gave you applies is when you go in to make a pitch, this sense of neediness kills or ruins most deals. Like, hey, John, uh, I came here today to show you the company that we have. We'd love for you to invest $50,000 in it. Really excited to be here. Thank you so much for allowing me to come in and uh, tell you about the company. If you do decide to invest, you'll be, we, you'll see we're the hardest working entrepreneurs. You'd be so happy with the product we've built. And we're just, again, really thankful that you let us come in to talk to you today, right? That's, John, that's just pure neediness. And the reason it doesn't work, and I'll tie it back to the quote, is it doesn't feed into the human condition. And the human condition is this, just as I said before, people want what they can't have. They chase those things that move away from them and people only value that which they pay for. So if you walk in a room and tell people you, they, don't, they don't have to chase you to get what you have, you're going to sit there and supplicate and beg to them, right? Um, it's easy to buy from you and um, um, you'll sit there and pitch them all day long and they don't have to make any effort at all. That is a dysfunctionally... Uh, you know, connected to how humans behave. So what would be more appropriate, I think, is to say, hey, John, um, really, it's good that we were able to connect and that I was able to make the time to come see you today. We've got a great deal. There's a lot of interest in it. I've got about 20 minutes to meet with you today. Maybe we could go a little long if we decided there's a love connection. Why don't I pitch you the deal in the next five or 10 minutes? You give me some feedback and how it fits in your system and what kind of investor you are. And if it seems like we're a fit for each other, let's see if we can go a little bit further. Right. So if you see the difference between the two pitches. Totally. Right. Love that advice, Orn. And I'm excited to apply that to the rest of your entrepreneurial journey here because Entrepreneur on Fire is about the story. We tell the story of your successes, your aha moments, and just as importantly, your failure. And that's what we're going to focus on now, Oren, because you haven't always been pitching an airport. You haven't always been pitching a $150 million semiconductor company. You've had some rough times. You've had some obstacles and challenges. Tell us one story, Oren. Take us down to the ground level. We want to connect with you as an individual. Take us to that story where you failed utterly. And what lessons did you learn? I was running a tech company, like probably many of the people listening, and we were growing so fast, adding people, adding products, adding customers that needed to raise money. 
right? So sometimes you can be a victim of your own success. You just grow so fast. You need a new office. Everybody needs laptops. You need to hire HR people. Um, you need to pay higher commissions. You need to start doing training, right? All these things that happen with growth and it sort of overwhelms your cash flow. And at that point, I went out and started talking to investors and realized, well, I didn't realize I didn't know anything about finance. I knew how to run the company. I knew how our accounting worked. I knew how our software worked, but I was not able to speak the language of the capital markets. And at that time, I wasn't able to raise just, you know, the five or six million dollars that we needed. And the company we ended up selling and stayed very small. It never became the giant company I envisioned it could become. That to me, the inability to raise that $5 million 15, 16 years ago was really sort of the seminal event in my life where I said that can never happen again. So that's where my wounds came relative to pitching and raising money. And I said, above all else, I'm going to get this figured out. So Orrin, boil it down for us because there's a lot of gems that come out from that failure, but I want Fire Nation to walk away with the one that you think is most important. You know, at that time, the company had almost $10 million of revenue, was growing very quickly and, you know, got on the phone with a venture capitalist in Beverly Hills, fairly well known. And he said, you know, tell me about the deal. And so for over an hour, I tried to explain it to him. And he said, I love what you're doing. I'm just out of time and I don't fully understand it. And for me, that was really the turning point of somebody saying, I love what you have. We have the money to put into you. I gave you more than an hour, you know, uh, more than I would regularly give somebody. You haven't in that more than an hour fully explained to me your financial model, what the upside is, what the downside protection is. Um, what the growth metrics are and the typical things we would see in a pitch. I'm sorry, I have nowhere to go from here. So, so that is a particular event where is just the inability to pitch a whole deal in an hour and 20 minutes um, was incredibly painful. Now, you know, roll the clock forward 15 years. This is why I tell everybody and tell ourselves any deal can be pitched start to finish the big idea. What's changing the market? The upside, if the deal succeeds, the downside protection, how it works, the value proposition, the differentiation, the competitive set, all of that can be done in 20 minutes or less, right? And so that's sort of the difference of me 15 years ago and me today, the billion dollar deals we pitch in 18 minutes. Wow. You know, hopefully that, you know, maybe more answer than question, but uh, that's the way um, I compare the past with where I am today. They're just great insights across the board, Orrin, because I think a lot of listeners are sitting there trying to concoct these pages and pages of what their business is and what it does, and all it does is keep running around in circles and complicate things. Listen, guys, if Orrin can pitch these multi-million dollar deals in 18 minutes, you better believe that whatever you have going on, you can pitch in that time or less. So get your act together, get the simplicity model in effect, and move forward. And Orn, what I want to move forward to now is the other end of the spectrum. We talked about a failure that you had, and you shared that very generously with us. Let's talk about an aha moment, a light bulb. Obviously, pitching in 18 minutes is a light bulb moment. That was a great story. You've had many of these light bulb moments throughout your journey. So share with us another light bulb, another aha moment that you've had. Tell us that story, Orn, 
and specifically take us through the steps you took afterwards to turn it into success. Yeah, sure. I mean, I wrote about this fairly extensively in my book, Pitch Anything, but let me run you through it quickly because it is really, you know, as you said, a turning point. Um, I was at a conference in Utah pitching a, uh, at that time, we had a a fairly large real estate deal. I would say, you know, $50 million deal. And I was pitching it to a room full of analysts. You've probably been in one of these rooms. You're at the center of it. There's a horseshoe around you. Oh, yeah. 20 people staring at you. Uh, They give you a projector. (laughs) They say, go, right? You sit up, you you know, you mumble sort of through the punchline. Nobody laughs and you start sweating. (laughs) Start (laughs) Start going through the pitch, which I think was eloquently put together by me, right? And sort of people are looking at their cell phones, um, flipping through, you know, material. And so I pulled out the Hail Mary. We prepared this beautiful pitch deck. We had really sweated every detail in it. It had the perfect pictures. The writing was New York Times quality. It was insightful. Uh, It was rich. It was more of a business plan than a pitch. Uh, And for the analysts, they just started eating it up, flipping through it, loving the pictures, loving the detail, loving the analysis, reading. So I see all 20 of them sort of start tearing through this pitch deck. And that was the moment, the big aha moment. I realized I have leverage as the pitch man. I can take stuff away. I can take myself away. Meeting over. I can take the materials I've given out away. You don't get the amazing pitch deck with the insight and the, the market analysis and the, the information that's not available anywhere, right? I have leverage. I have control. There's things I can do to make some of this happen. So then in the aha moment, I said, for those of you who are interested in this deal or interested in continuing to be in this room, why don't you start asking me some questions so I realize we have a meaningful two-way discussion. And for those of you who don't have any questions, I'm taking the pitch deck back. And that made people look up. This has never happened. These are financial analysts. It's a very, very dry, brittle, you know, low charisma kind of industry. And so I let that sink in for 30 seconds, 45 seconds. Then I started walking around the room, around the horseshoe, saying, do you have any question? Sorry, I'm taking the deck back. Took it out of his hand. I get to the next person. Do you have a question? No answer. Take the deck back. Get to the third person. Do you have a question? No answer. I take the back, deck back and he's fighting me for it. <laughs> now I'm pacing. I'm pulling decks back left and right, right? So I've got half about half the decks back. People are fighting over them, trying to drag them out of my hand. And finally, about half the room is left and they start shouting questions, right? So why is the cap rate uh, increase in year three, but we don't see it in year two? I go, that's a good question. Let me walk you through that. And then they say, well, the different locations are separated by 300 miles apiece, and the longest one seems 500 miles. How do you account for the geographical diversity? And that's a good question. You get to keep your pitch deck. And so for <laughs> me, I mean, there's a little bit of chaos and grandstanding. I was not invited back. They've agreed to listen to me. I want their money. I want them to write a check or a purchase order or to agree to invest or whatever. Right? They don't have total control. I have total control. This is my meeting. It's my agenda. I say when it starts. I say when it stops. I say what we do here and what I have is the most valuable thing in the room. The money that you guys have is a commodity. And commodities are available anywhere. And in fact, in terms of commodities, money 
is the most liquid, the most available, and the least scarce commodity of anything. I can go to an ATM to get it. I can call my uncle and get it. I can go to Bank of America and ask for it. I can borrow it from my customers. I cannot pay my taxes to the government and have money. It's the easiest thing in the world to acquire. I'm not going to sit there and supplicate to a bunch of analysts, begging them to listen to me, having them text on their iPhones when I can get what they have anywhere. And that was the big, for me, aha. Wow. So you weren't invited back. Did you continue to use this to success in other opportunities that you had like that horseshoe? Yeah, well, I think it just rolled forward from there. And today, if you see me go into a room in a horseshoe like that, I'm a total monster. <laughs> hey, guys, glad I could be here. I've got about 20 minutes, maybe 40 minutes at best. If you guys entertain me and it looks like we're working out together and start to pitch a little bit, I'm going to pick two people to throw off the island. You'll be ejected. So everybody pay attention before I pick those two folks. I'm going to pitch the whole deal here. 15, 20 minutes. Um, you'll know exactly what we have. The big idea, the upside, the downside protection, how it works, the technology, the team. We're going to zoom through that right now. Once I'm done, I'd love to hear back from you how you're a fit for what we're doing and in our search for the perfect investor, which I can tell you, you could see from what we have, we're busy as hell, why you're a fit for what we're doing. I'd like to hear that a little bit. So why don't you hold off the traditional route of you telling us about your firm and I know you did great things in the 1980s and you guys invested in stuff in the 90s and 2000, you hit the hot stuff. This is 2013. Okay. Well, I'm interested at some point to hear about the history of your firm. What we're doing is the most current stuff in the world. Nobody knows more about IP packet switching, routing, ball bearing, twisting teddy bear eyeballs than we do. So we're going to share with you what we know about the forefront of the market. I think we'll give you a little bit of chance to tell us about yourself in context we have. So I think that's from, from, you know, five or six years ago, having this big aha to how it has matured into a systematic way of walking in room, owning it and having leverage in the pitch room. That's the progression and how it's rolled forward. So Oren, you are just sharing with Fire Nation some great techniques of how to take control of situations, how to negotiate from a place of authority instead of a place from need. Take us to present times because you have a lot of exciting things going on. What's one thing that's just really exciting you today? In my business, what I've really been able to do is take companies who are growing. They can raise money and they need to raise money, right? Um, but increase their valuation so they experience the smallest amount of dilution. So give you an example. Entrepreneur on Fire decides it's going to acquire three other companies, right? That's going to require $10 million of working capital. Right. You could raise that on your own, you know, just by calling up the VCs you know. Um, the problem with doing that, you're going to call up the couple of people you know. You're going to give them somewhat of a soft pitch because the truth is you're just, you know, you don't pitch every day. True. Something you... You're going to give them a soft pitch, uh, talk to two or three of them. One of them is going to say, John, I love this deal. I'm totally in $10 million. You got it. What's the price? Okay, let's do it at $30 million valuation. Um, you know, let's sign up a term sheet. This is a done deal. And you go, great. I found my investor. You tell everybody else, sorry, guys. Uh, I found the investor. I'm going to move forward. Then you guys begin due diligence, starts to stretch out 30 days, 
40 days, 45 days, 50 days. That was a done deal. Oh, John, you know, we started looking at your numbers. We didn't realize, right, that your demographic skews 24 to 35. We thought you had just a little bit uh, a taller demographic and there was just a little bit more purchasing power within it. We're still in the deal and everything, but now we think the price is $20 million and therefore we only have $6 million available for you. That's the classic retrade. Every single company goes through that process unless they have somebody like me, whether it's on their team or outside, to step in. And very, very early on, rewind all the way, when that investor you love goes, John, $10 million done deal, what I do is I say, no, there's no deal, right? You're not investing. At this point, we're just getting to know each other. I'm meeting lots of people like you, right? And and running a process. So not chasing investors or buyers serially, but in parallel. Because when you have lots of options, you're not needy. And when the retrade comes or the repricing comes, you could say, nah, you know what? The new pricing you're suggesting doesn't work. I'm going to close with someone else. But you have to have somebody else there to close with. That's the difference between running an inexperienced person running a serial process and an experienced person like myself running a parallel process. Parallel process protects the valuation of growing companies. So that's what I like most about what I do today is helping companies protect their equity. Once the equity has gone, it never comes back. Okay. That's, you know, that's the most valuable thing you have. So when we help a company raise its valuation from 10 million to 20 million, from 25 to 75 million, from 75 million to 150 million, and we raise the money at that higher price, we protect the valuation. Boom. Huge win for everyone. That makes me happy. Oren, I want you on my team. And on that note, let's thank our sponsors. When you're working with clients who aren't necessarily huge brands with all kinds of money to spend, you still want to be able to offer them cutting edge tools and recommendations to grow their business, right? Of course you do. Well, a mobile app for their business may not be the first thing that pops into your head, but let me tell you, it could be a game changer not only for your business, but for your client's business as well. Not a programmer? That's okay. Business apps can help you with the whole nine yards. They provide mobile app resellers with orientations, webinars, sales and marketing materials, design, and product support. The whole platform is white-labeled, so you have total brand control. It's basically your very own pre-made mobile app creation company. You heard right. No programming necessary. Just load in your company logo and start selling mobile apps today. If you're interested in learning more, visit businessapps.com. That's B-I-Z-N-E-S-S apps.com. There are a ton of important things that go into launching your own business. And guess what? Being an entrepreneur means that you're in charge of all of them. Having this responsibility means there are several areas where you can easily get caught up in the minute details that really shouldn't be holding you back from launching. Design projects are just one example. I'm not saying your logo or website design aren't important. They definitely are. But these are the types of projects many entrepreneurs use as excuses for delaying their launch. You can upgrade, tweak, or revise your design at any time. 
Believe me, I revised Entrepreneur on Fire's logo six times since my launch. Translation, stop using design as your excuse for not launching. There's never going to be a better time to start than right now. The best part is it only takes a week at 99designs. All you have to do is visit 99designs.com slash fire and you'll get a $99 power pack of services for free. We've now reached my favorite part of the interview, and that's the lightning round, because this is where we get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us, Fire Nation style, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? No plan survives contact with the enemy. You're talking to a combat veteran, Orn, so from a place of experience, I can vouch for that. All right, so let's, uh, you know, let's lock and load and uh, fire off some rounds. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Access to capital. You need money to get things done. If you don't understand how to talk to money and how money works, then you're at a serious disadvantage. Money is the lifeblood of businesses that want to grow. What is the best advice you've ever received? Don't be a pig. When you're doing a deal, Right. Don't try and over maximize it. Let everybody make money. That makes life easy, makes frictionless living, lets you have a good lifestyle. Don't try and over optimize every deal and claw at the last dollar. Don't be a pig. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? John, you're like incredibly smart, sophisticated, savvy, um, and, and social, yes. right? And it'd be very hard for me to sort of compete with you on most of the things you're good at. The personal habit that I have is, because I don't have all that stuff, right? I'm not as smart as you, but I have hard work. You cannot outwork me. There's 24 hours in a day. There is in, in a given 24-hour period, you cannot outwork me. That's one thing I know. You're definitely smarter, better looking, funnier, run faster, richer, and uh, uh, in, in, you know, maybe an experience and, and you've got an incredible um, business there. One thing that I have that's an that's a, uh, you know, answer to your question, you cannot outwork me. Oh. Love your passion. Do you have an internet resource, Orn, like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? This is somewhat contrarian, but the resource that I'd like to introduce to people is their phone, right? And so I say that because I'm on pitch calls all day long. Out of an eight-hour day or 12-hour day or 23-hour day, 60% of it, I'm on calls where I'm pitching someone or they're pitching me. And at least... Half of those people have terrible phone connection. All right. So the best, you know, internet tool I can think of, or the best pitching tool in the world is get your phone in December where you have strong signal. Make sure that signal is patched in. People can hear you. It's not choppy. The windows aren't down. You're not talking from, a, uh, you know, six feet away and there's an echo. There's a clear auditory pipe into the mind of the people that are listening to you. And so for me, I mean, I know there's great tools like, you know, Evernote and join me and, and LinkedIn and Insta chat, Graham, you know, (laughs) I mean, we use all that stuff, but the phone, like learn to use that thing, 
right? And I think people be incrementally um, happy with their results. Like we're just on calls. We can't hear what the other guy's saying. So Oren, on our show notes page, Pitch Anything will be one of the two recommended books. Can you recommend one other? Well, I think for me, I mean, there's only one book that John, that I would recommend. It's from uh, Michael Porter at Harvard Business School. Uh, it's a book called Competitive Advantage. That's a must read because that's how businesses really functionally, economically gain advantage over one another, you know, versus all the VC, MBA, techno babble. That book describes how one company is able to um, sell more product at a better margin and have an easier time in business than another company economically. So I love that book. Powerful. And Fire Nation, I know you love audio. So if you want a free audiobook like this, go to eofirebook.com. That's eofirebook.com. And Orrin, I have so enjoyed hearing your journey and just hearing your passion and your mindset when it comes to negotiating and how you interact with other entrepreneurs and other businessmen and women. Share with us one parting piece of guidance, the best way that we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, sure. So my recommendation is I've packed all of this into the book, Pitch Anything. It's not something that we wrote in an afternoon just to have a business card and calling card for the company. That's the real deal. That's the blueprint, how somebody who wants to go out and raise $10 million or close a $10 million, $50 million deal with a customer approaches it in the real world. So pitch anything would be my recommendation for people to get started if the things I've talked about today are interesting to you. Powerful stuff, Orrin. And where's the best way that we can connect with you? So uh, if you go to pitchanything.com and there's any myriad of number of ways to connect with us. So pitchanything.com, you just say work with Orrin. It's right at the top. I'd love to hear from you and see how we could help you and you know, of course, how you could help us. Fire Nation is well aware. They can find the links to everything that we've talked about today at eofire.com. Click on the podcast tab because Orrin is hanging out in the archives or just enter O-R-E-N in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up. And Orrin, thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise and experience. Fire Nation salutes you and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right. We'll catch you there, John. We'll catch you. uh, We'll definitely catch you on the other side. And I know we'll be doing something again. Yes. Fire Nation. Are you in a mastermind? How about joining hundreds of fellow podcasters who can help you navigate iTunes, Adobe Audition, and other programs that you might be struggling with? Podcasters Paradise has it all. And in addition to an amazing community of over 350 podcasters, Paradise offers you all the video tutorials, tools, and resources you need to create, grow, and monetize your podcast. Come check out one of our live webinars at podcastersparadise.com. Thank you so much for joining us today on Entrepreneur on Fire. Head on over to eofire.com for full recaps of every show, our amazing blog articles and resources, and just plain fun. Your entrepreneurial journey awaits, so prepare to ignite. 